A blessed Sunday, brothers and sisters in Christ. Once again, we are under ECQ. And as always, we hope that all of you are doing well and are keeping safe. And we hope that all of you have already adopted to this pandemic situation. We miss all of you dearly, and we cannot wait for the time that we can see each other face-to-face again and worship our God with all of you. And we hope that even though we cannot come together, this will not hinder us from showing our love for one another. For this is what Paul exhorted the church to pursue, and more importantly, this is what our Lord Jesus commanded us to do. So as we continue on with our series, let us open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13 is one of the most famous chapters in the whole Bible and a favorite not only of many Christians, but non-believers as well. We'll be reading the whole chapter from verse 1 to 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1 to 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As per prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. May God bless the reading of His Word. Uh, I, don't know when, I don't know when in your Christian life did you first encounter this passage, but for me, I think it was through the 2002 movie adaptation of Nicholas Sparks' novel, A Walk to Remember. I'm not sure if I heard it the first time through that movie, but it was definitely the most memorable. You know, this passage is such a memorable passage, and as I mentioned earlier, a favorite of many people. Firstly, I think because it talks about one of humanity's all-time favorite topics, which is love. Many of the most popular songs, stories, and movies ever made is about love. And that is why 1 Corinthians 13 is so popular even in the secular world. In fact, people 
use this as scripture reading in many wedding ceremonies. The second reason why 1 Corinthians 13 is so memorable and well-loved is because it is so beautifully written. Many consider this passage to be Paul's pièce de résistance, his most outstanding composition in 1 Corinthians, if not in all of his letters. It is so wonderfully written that some scholars think that Paul was not the original composer of this literary work, but that he only quoted it from somewhere and adapted it to his letter. But when you read this with the understanding of the context of 1 Corinthians, you will see that this portion of Paul's writing is tailored fit to the situation of the Corinthian church. Indeed, this passage is so well-written and interesting that even if you preach this passage outside the context of the situation in Corinth, it will still make good sense and be relevant in the lives of people. But when you read this in light of the issues the Corinthian church is facing, you will appreciate more the brilliance of God's Word through Paul's writing. As, uh, and you will understand that this is no ordinary love that the world, that the world think it is, but the love that must exist in the body of Christ. It is first and foremost for the church. Love is the perfect solution to the Corinthian problem. Paul is telling the church in Corinth that love is the answer to the issues they are facing. Love is the answer to their boasting. Love is the answer in dealing with their sinful brother. Love is the answer to their issue about freedom. Love is the answer for proper worship and observation of the Lord's table. Love is the answer for their problems with spiritual gifts. And that is why my title for today is the same as the title of that famous 70s song na nalaman ko ngayon, pati si Gary V pala, kinanta yun. Light of the world, shine on me. Love is the answer. That's the title for today's message. Love is the answer. And Paul wants to teach the Corinthian church and us today that we excel as the church when we excel in love. We excel as the church when we excel in love. So let us keep our Bibles open to 1 Corinthians 13 and learn what it means to excel in love. As I mentioned last week, Paul addressed the issue about spiritual gifts from chapter 12 to 14. And we learned that chapter 12 ended with Paul admonishing the believers in Corinthians to desire the higher gifts, which are the gifts that edify others and builds up the church, rather than the gift that only edifies oneself. But then he uses this as a stepping board to challenge the Corinthians to what he really wants them to pursue. That is why chapter 12 ended with, and I will show you a still more excellent way. What is this more excellent way? Paul wants the church to pursue something better than spiritual gifts. The Corinthian church thought that true spirituality comes from being able to speak in tongues, 
the language of angels, but Paul is telling them that actually that is the least among the gifts. He wants them to pursue something better, more excellent, something better than the gift of tongues. In fact, something better than any spiritual gift, and that is love. Paul then proceeds to show them the necessity of love in our service for God's kingdom by showing the vanity or the meaninglessness of what we do when we do it without love. He starts by targeting the very gift that the Corinthian church is blindly desiring for. In verse 1, he says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You see, Paul compares their most desired gift to a disruptive instrument to highlight the necessity of love. Paul is telling them that if practiced without love, their favorite spiritual gift, instead of being edifying, it becomes disruptive, like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And we see that happening among the Corinthian believers because they are using their gift of tongues to boast about their spirituality over others. It is now causing divisions and problems in the church. Instead of being an encouragement to others, they are discouraging those who didn't have that same gift from participating in the body of Christ. That is what happens when they practice their gifts without love. Instead of being edifying, they're being disruptive. But this does not only apply to the gift of tongues. He cites two more spiritual gifts as examples. One is the gift of faith. And to show that Paul is not just being biased against the gift of tongues, he mentions his own favorite gift, the gift of prophecy. In verse 2, he says, If I have the prophetic powers, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And again, these three spiritual gifts Paul mentioned are merely representative of all gifts. They are used as an example to show the vanity of having and practicing spiritual gifts devoid of love. These gifts amount to nothing if done without the motive of love. Through this, Paul is telling us that spiritual gifts are not the sign of true spirituality. Christian love is. Spiritual gifts are not the sign of true spirituality. Christian love is. It is the sign of true spirituality. But Paul did not stop with spiritual gifts. He even points to them the futility of our service and sacrifice without love being its motivating factor. In verse 3, it says, If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Here, Paul is pointing to us that love cannot be measured by our actions alone. We can do what seems to be an act of love without truly loving at all. We can do all the right things with the wrong motives. And we see this when we journey through Philippians. 
Paul mentioned that his enemies were sharing the gospel, but not for the sake of God's kingdom, but to compete with him. But Paul is not affected by their competitive intentions, but God does judge our motives. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5, it says, Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. And so, brothers and sisters, even though we come to worship every Sunday, we give more than 10% for our tithes and offerings, we serve in every ministry we preach God's Word every week. We pray and fast twice a year. If it is not love that motivates us to do these things, to God, all these means nothing. Without love, all our spiritual gifts means nothing. Without love, all our sacrifice and service mean nothing. Even when we make disciples, it should be fueled by our love for God and our love for others. That is why our slogan is, Love God, make disciples. Both should come together. Yes, no one will know what your motivation is, but God does. That is why love is necessary in the Christian life and in the life of the church. That is why love is the mark of true spirituality. And that is why as the church desires for spiritual gifts, they must first pursue love. Remember that we excel as the church when we excel in love. So brothers and sisters, let us pursue to love one another before anything else. Now that Paul explained the necessity of love. He then proceeds to list down what it means to love. He does this by describing the character of love. And although these characteristics of love can be universally applied in any situation and therefore can be universally obeyed, Paul handpicked these attributes to address the issues that have been plaguing the church in Corinth. In verse 4 to 7, he says, Love is patient, love is and kind, love does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant or rude, it does not insist on its own way, it is not irritable or resentful, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Paul starts off with two positive expressions of love, being patient and kind. He starts off with these two attributes, probably to point back to the love of God towards his people. In Paul's letters, he described God's love as being patient and being kind. In Romans 2 verse 4, it says, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? not knowing God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? And of course, this points us to Christ. 
God shows His patience and kindness toward us by giving His only Son to die on the cross for us, that He might forgive us and give us eternal life. This is the ultimate display of His patience and kindness to us because He loves us. And therefore, this is how the church should love one another, with patience and with kindness. Now, Paul proceeds to describe the character of love by telling the Corinthians what it is not or what love does not do. He tells them that it does not envy nor boast. And from our understanding of the problem in chapter 1, we see that Paul is addressing the issue of the church being divided over their teachers, and they were boasting over who's wiser. And then from our understanding of the problem in chapter 12, we see that Paul is addressing the issue of people envying other people's spiritual gifts. So Paul is admonishing the church that love is the answer to these issues because love does not envy nor boast. He also teaches the church that love is not arrogant. Arrogant meaning proud or puffed up. In Tagalog, we call this malaki ulo. And this was another issue of the church, which Paul addressed in chapter 4. They were so arrogant that they were judging Paul and his ministries. In verse 19, it says, but uh, in chapter 4, verse 19, it says, But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of this arrogant people, but their power. Then, Paul says that love is neither rude, which seeks to address the problem in chapter 11, where some women were addressing inappropriately and disrupt, were, were dressing inappropriately and disrupting worship, while some people were humiliating the poor at the Lord's table. Again, love is the answer to these problems. For love is neither arrogant nor rude towards others, especially to those who have less. Paul also mentions that love does not insist in its own way, which some of the Corinthian believers are doing. They want to exercise their Christian freedom without thinking of those who might stumble because of their actions. This was the issue in chapter 8 and 9. And again, love is the solution because love does not insist on one's own interests but thinks of the interests of others first. Then he says, love does not rejoice in wrongdoings, but rejoices with the truth. And so the Corinthians must not tolerate their brother who was committing sexual immorality. Pastor Benson preached about this a few weeks ago. And as I have mentioned in my past messages, love is not love if it tolerates sin. Love is not love if it tolerates sin because sin destroys a person. Therefore, if you truly love someone, you cannot tolerate something that will destroy them. That is why love does not celebrate nor condone wrongdoings. Instead, love rejoices with the truth which leads to people having eternal life. 
Then Paul ends his list by again going back to the positive expressions of love, that it bears all things, believes all things, meaning that believes the best in people, not, not being gullible. And also that love is the source of hope and endurance. That is, love will sustain them until the coming of our Lord Jesus. As you can see, Paul wants the church to understand why Christian love is necessary in the church. Christian love helps the church face its many challenges. Christian love helps the church face its many challenges. It is by pursuing Christian love that many issues and problems that the church faces can be resolved. Are you facing any issues or challenges in your ministry, in your small group, in your fellowship, in your family? If yes, then let love guide you as you respond rather than react to these problems or people. And if you have a hard time loving, ask God to help you, teach you, and enable you to respond in love. Especially now as the church faces the onslaught of COVID-19. How can the church survive and even thrive through this pandemic? Is it by our online worship? Is it by having many meetings to discuss solutions? No. It is by pursuing Christian love towards one another, by praying for one another, by giving through our charity fund, by keeping each other accountable and checking up on one another, by bringing food to those who are sick, and other things. These are some ways we have been exemplifying Christian love during this pandemic. And these are what we should continue to do. Brothers and sisters, we excel as a church when we excel in love. Love is the answer to the many challenges that the church faces before and even today. And we pursue love by following the one who first loved us, which is our Lord Jesus. After teaching the Corinthians how they should practice Christian love by telling the character of love, Paul goes back to explain why the church must pursue love above all. In verse 8 to 10, he says, Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Paul wants the Corinthian church to know that the spiritual gifts they so eagerly desire are only temporary. They are not meant to last forever. Spiritual gifts are given by God so that the church might be built up and the gospel be preached. But when the end comes and our Lord comes back, the church is now perfect and complete and there will be no more need for spiritual gifts. Therefore, spiritual gifts will not last for eternity. Love, on the other hand, will. And love will continue to be practiced in God's eternal kingdom. Therefore, love never ends. Now, I remember when I was still in junior choir, there was a time when youth EE training, that's short for Youth Evangelism Explosion, overlapped 
with junior choir practice. And the question was asked, what is more important, singing or sharing the gospel? And the obvious answer at that time was, of course, sharing the gospel. Then one of my tenor friend, who shall not be named, jokingly asked, why? What will we be doing when we live in heaven for eternity? Sharing the gospel or singing? Now, this was only meant as a joke. Paul is using the same argument here, but Paul is serious about this. He wants the church to prioritize things in light of eternity. But he's not asking the church to choose between one or the other. In fact, he already told them to desire the higher gifts and continues to do so in chapter 14, telling them to desire the gift that edifies others. But he wants them to pursue and excel more in what will last for eternity. And that is love. The church must excel in love today because love will last for eternity. Paul describes this present, this present age where spiritual gifts exist as looking at a mirror, which at that time were made from polished metal and so therefore are not very clear. But when Jesus Christ comes, we will see each other face to face, which is clearer. Parang lang, ngayon lang yan. Ngayon we see each other usually via Zoom. But we cannot wait for the day that we can see each other face to face again. And Paul describes that time, there will be no more need for spiritual gifts, which is when our Lord comes back already. But love will remain. Paul goes on to emphasize that love is a mark of spiritual maturity. Love is a mark of spiritual maturity. In verse 11, he said, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. The Corinthians were obviously behaving otherwise, like spiritual infants, squabbling over who is wiser or who is more spiritual. But if they want to be spiritually mature, then they should stop quarreling and pursue love. Brothers and sisters, are we living in light of eternity? If we do, then we should all the more pursue love because love will continue to exist for eternity in God's kingdom. All the more reason for the church to learn how to excel in love. Let's remember that we excel as the church when we excel in love. Love is the most distinct attribute of the body of Christ. For our Lord Jesus said, they will know that we are His disciples when we love one another. But of course, this is easier said than done. So, God gave us an example. His only Son, our Lord Jesus Himself, the one that exemplifies love perfectly in His life, even to the point of death, it was his love for his people that enabled him to endure until the end. And it is his love towards us, ultimately displayed on the cross, that empowers and enables us to love one another today. To be patient, to be kind, to be forgiving, to bear all things, to believe, to hope, and to endure.
First John 4 verse 19 says, We love because He first loved us. And so if we as a church want to excel in love, then we must emulate His love in our lives. We can excel in love when we love others with the love of Christ. We can excel in love when we love others with the love of Christ. Brothers and sisters, do you want to excel in love? Then look to Christ as your example. Know Him and remember what He has done for you and do the same for others. UECP, let us excel as a church by excelling in love, loving one another just as our Lord Jesus loved us. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we just want to give thanks for today. We thank you for this great reminder that above all things, above everything that we must pursue in this life and in the church, we must pursue love. Father, we pray that, that you will help us look to Jesus as, an, as our example. When we're having trouble with, our, with a brother or sister in Christ, in the ministry, help us, Lord, to look to Jesus first and think what would He do and what would He want us to do. How can we display His love to our brother or sister who we are in conflict with or we're having a problem with? Father, help us, Lord, to understand that love is your answer, which you have displayed to us, you have exemplified to us by giving your Son to us to give us eternal life. So, Father, we pray as we continue on through this pandemic, help us all the more to pursue love, to show our love for one another, caring for one another, being patient with one another, forgiving one another until the end of this pandemic. And of course, until our, Jesus, our Lord Jesus comes back again, where we will love for eternity. This is our prayer in His mighty name. Amen and Amen.